0: Uh, Thanks for
1: tuning in. Uh, I hope you are well. We are live and direct. I'm here in Defected HQ in East London on a very rainy, typical English spring day. Uh, We're very happy to have you back on board for another We Talk As One. Uh, We think this one is a particularly relevant uh, chance for us to have a conversation because we're going to be talking about frankly, the future of events. We're aiming to make it as practical, as progressive, and, well, hopefully as positive as we possibly can. Uh, We've got a quite fantastic kind of lineup of people um, coming your way this afternoon. We're here for 90 minutes. Being live on Twitch, that means you are genuinely a part of the conversation, so uh, do get your questions in. I'm seeing all of your names from wherever you are already appearing, which is very lovely. We're going to ask as many of the questions as we possibly can because it's kind of about you because it's events for you and all of us. So I'm going to start introducing our uh, brilliant crew. Um, I'm going to start off with Yousef. Yousef's had um, something of a, a moment recently. There he is. How are you doing, Yousef?
0: I'm OK. Thanks, James. How are you, man?
1: I'm very well. Yousef is borderline celebrity these days. If you don't know, his, his story <laughs> anyway is one of sort of resilience of very much of positivity Um, Having blazed a trail for like 20 years and become something of an iconic industry figure, many of you will know that Yousef's circus event, only a week or two back now, is called The First Dance, was the UK's first event since COVID, since the pandemic. It was a pretty monumental event, a monumental moment. Seven billion, something like that, it reached worldwide in terms of the news coverage. Uh, It was classed the most significant global news story since electronic music begun. I'm not saying that's a grandiose build-up, but there's a lot to live up to now for Yousef when he meets shortly. Yousef, thank you so much for joining us. We're genuinely honoured. Welcome, mate. Oh, thank um, you next for me. we have own George Pritchard. Uh, George cut his teeth very much in the spiritual home of dance music in Ibiza. How are you, George?
2: I'm very well. How are you?
1: He's still got something of an Ibiza turn there. Uh, George <laughs> learned that straight proper for when he worked at the Ministry of Sound george uh there he covered talent bookings artist agency he is the director of events and director of talent uh here at defected records and is a very busy boy at the moment as the world starts to open up um an awful lot to say on that matter uh third we're very very happy to say we've got maria may uh maria has has come fresh from another discussion um straight off the bat she's just said to me off air that she's currently sick of her own voice so we need to make it (laughs) waiting for her uh, to come up with lots of fresh questions for you to answer. Maria, thank you for joining us, Maria.
3: Uh, thank you for having me. I'm, hopefully no one's sick of my voice. No. But... <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, if you don't already know, Maria's actually amazingly had 25 years under her belt in this whole game, with everyone from Guetta to Frankie Knuckles to Paul Oakenfold. Uh, she sits on the Board of Advisors for the Association of Electronet Music, which is a, a vitally important trade body. She works alongside to support the NTIA, which we probably mentioned a few times today. If you don't know, the Nighttime Industries Association where people like Michael Kill running that has doing incredible work, frankly, trying to save and maintain this nightlife and industry that we are all so deeply passionate about. Uh, Maria is a part of CAA and looks after everyone from Guetta and the Black Eyed Peas to Rasheen Murphy and a whole host of other people that we haven't got time to go through today. Uh, she's also an international power player of Billboard magazine. Quite the lineup. And last, but by no means least, and we're delighted he's also uh, here in Defected HQ just over there, uh, is Mark Newton. How are you, Mark?
4: I'm good, thank you. How are you? Very well.
1: Thank you so much for joining us. Mark's the director at Broadwick Live. So if you don't already know, I suspect you've been to some of their venues or events, but Broadwick are focused on redefining spaces, how people actually interact with music and art and culture. Uh, and recreation by breaking down those traditional barriers and delivering proper next-level connection. We can certainly testify and, and validate that because we're very proud to be partners in Printworks London, in full-time events at Drum Sheds. Uh, Broadwick's put over 100 shows across the UK, uh, responsible as well for Hideout Festival in Croatia, Field Day. I'm pretty sure lots of people on this stream and this conversation have been to many of these amazing events. That's the intro's over, um, and it only took four minutes, so I feel quite proud of that. Let's get stuck in, everyone. Um, and also, we've got a very lively set of uh, questions already coming in. I'm gonna start with you, Youssef. I've just joked that you're a quasi A-list Hollywood celeb at the moment because of the events of recent times. <laughs> I sound facetious, but I'm not. We're all genuinely like, excited, positive, and proud of the brilliant work that you've been putting on. Tell us a little bit about it, mate. Let's go back on how it started, what were the challenges, how did it go? How nervous were you, frankly?
0: Well, <clears throat> I suppose that it's quite a, a long answer. I think, obviously, Maria will know and obviously Mark as well will know that I, I was banging on doors from any chance I can get from like last last summer, really, trying to find some support for our industry, for all the people that have been left behind, including myself, <laughs> like all the, all the freelancers and people that were just not given any government support. And instead of sitting on my arse and complaining. Um, I just got off my arse and tried my best to kind of help help others and started knocking on my local MP's door when we returned to Liverpool Council, which went he- higher up the ecolons quite quickly. And I started speaking to love dropping names, some, a lot of kind of quite high profile dignitaries, shall we say. And things kind of spiraled from there. And I got invited to speak to and uh, learn from the amazing Michael Kill, as you all know, our hero. And um, I kind of got hooked up with what we've been doing on a Monday, Maria, this like Monday club. We're, we're all kind of trying to use our time and resources to support the industry and look at a brighter future and make sure that we do get in a sticky situation in the future, we can, we're more prepared for it and that the government understands our value. So from all those kind of connections, I've been banging on the door at Liverpool Council saying, look guys, surely, there's going to be some sort, of, some sort of event exit strategy at some point. And this was maybe six months ago, if, if, if not longer. Um, and I was trying to explain that my business partner Rich, Big Up Rich, <clears throat> and our team, Sam Newson and Eddie, our health and safety guy, are all kind of absolutely first class, what they do. So if there is a sniff of any events going to happen post COVID soon, what I call them uh, like restart events or something, yeah, Give me a shout, because we are able, prepared, we have the perfect venue for it, which is Bramley Moor Dock, which is an enormous warehouse. Um, so ventilation is not an issue, square footage is an issue, the amount of people that they needed was always fine, we could build it. So that was cool, and the conversation progressed a little bit, but then lockdown happened in December, the most recent one, which kind of stopped all these conversations dead in the water. So we didn't exactly forget about it. Every now and again, I dropped the guys a little email or a text, what's happening? And then eventually when central government um, and the scientists, it turns out, I I discovered or learned last week, once the rate got under 1 in 500, that triggered the ability to do pilot tests in the UK. We were like, okay, now it's safe to be able to do it. That's cool. Now, with Liverpool having a history of successfully rolling out uh, mass testing, and they were like, brilliant, and it couldn't have gone any better. The government kind of said, okay, Liverpool, you've done a great job. Would you like to do some of these test events with, obviously, the Crucible as well in Sheffield, and then the, the football events in London? Do you want to get at it? So at that point, they got in touch with me and Rich and said, okay, you've, you have a short period of time. Can you put these events together? We had three and a half weeks from that conversation to the day it started, which even under normal circumstances, it's just l- But How does
1: that come? You know, some of the audience who don't know. How does three and a half weeks compare? Let alone the gravitas of what you're trying to achieve.
0: Well, we, is that we, an insanely
1: we, short amount of time
4: in the normal world?
0: Oh yeah, yeah. We, we we would want at least at least double that. Maybe maybe longer. Really, just just to sell the tickets. Really, not not putting it together. We can build build the set because it is like building a set, Bramley Moor Dockets. There's no water, there's no electricity, so it's just a a shell, so we bring everything in. It's really risky, to be honest, but it's magical when when it connects. So that that was okay, so we had three and a half weeks, but because of the excitement and the story and obviously the audience appetite for the rave to be able to get out, and um, we were confident that people would want to come, which is important, because obviously, what you might not know is that Rich and I took the risk as well, it wasn't government paid. So so that, that that that's another thing. <clears throat> but once we started the mechanics, is any, mover, is about, sorry
1: to interrupt you, Yusef, because that's a really fascinating point. Certainly in the context of insurance and perhaps we won't get too much into some of that today, but this is a big kind of bugbear in the industry full stop. That is a risk yeah. for
0: yourself, isn't it? Well, enormously. But you know, when you haven't worked for 40 months and your your circus was closed and your DJ business is closed and your record label is kind of hovering, you know you have to just get amongst it. And of course, with with, with the kind of honor, what I felt was bestowed upon us to be able to kind of be the first in the UK, I guess we were focused on um, trying to help people, trying to get back to business, trying to kind of see if it's possible, all these kind of positives. I mean, we never really had time to think of the downside, really, the downside could have been significant. But the other thing as well, the dates that they gave us were just like school days. Well, one of them was, was like a work day. It was a Friday. So if people wanted to come, they had to take a day off work. And Saturday was fine. So we just down to it. We started booking the lineups. Sam Neeson, our production guy, started kind of building the set. Eddie Eddie, and um, Eddie Grant started kind of building the health and safety protocols, which were much, much more significant than, than typical for obvious obvious reasons. And then like I mentioned off call, we have a 430 call every day with myself, Rich, Sam, Eddie, Lee, our leader, uh, like uh, manager from Circus, and the scientists from Liverpool University, Liverpool Council, the health and safety from there, a real mixture of total experts in, in, in what they do, all all trying to kind of um, negotiate through these different variables that will happen on a day-to-day basis because it wasn't like, okay, this is what you do, this is how to do it. Every day, there was a new set of con- uh, considerations that we had to kind of maneuver through. And I have to say that even though it was really difficult, everybody was reasonable, everyone was fair, everybody kind of understood that it, we had to be flexible and it was all, like, it was a a spinning wheel with a moving target on it, trying to get, trying to get this to happen. But we did and unfortunately um because of the range of expertise we, we were able to um and then once we got down to selling tickets it was really interesting because people obviously the saturday fired out because it was a normal it was a normal day and that was fine and um friday took a, a moment to get there so i'm just mark saying it's a bit glitchy is it okay now how,
3: yeah
0: how's it like? Yeah. Okay. okay cool thanks um smooth my end okay cool well yeah so we we started um selling the tickets and things started going going extremely well and obviously the the, the coverage from it was absolutely enormous Oh, overall um there was a little bit of resistance from the public but in the grand scheme of things it was genuinely a grain of sand on a beach because like like you mentioned earlier, there's like almost like 7 billion in engagements around the world on it from every major news, store, news source from CNN to, to the, the New Yorker, to New York Times, to I was on Bloomberg, Radio 4, the, the Today program. So I mentioned them specifically because they are not the usual places where I show up. But then uh, I had to do kind of like mainstream TV every day and for weeks. And it's kind of, like you say, become this figure of it all. Unfortunately, because I've of, had of experience doing interviews over the years, I was kind, kind of fine, I, I suppose. But it was a different level of scrutiny. Yeah. But the release of when it all came together, I mean, I managed to open those doors on the day. Um, uh, even before the gig, I've never felt anything like it. It was, it was a thing of beauty.
1: So there feels to me, there's a, I might be wrong, there feels like there's almost three moments there of that moment you open your doors, when all of the hard work that you've been describing, where you, events meetings were with scientists, I find that a fantastically interesting nuance, by the way, and an amazingly impressive thing, you know, that you're pulling off on a daily basis. You open the doors, that moment, probably behind the decks playing something to capture you know, the imagination, I assume is the second, and the payoff of the love and the positivity that you probably felt in that reflective glow from the media, were they all equally like humbling? Try and describe some of those things. Uh, um,
0: Definitely, because um, I opted to play the first set as well as the peak set on on the the first day. So I wanted to play the first record and then into the first set. So I've got this record I made quite a a while ago called uh, Welcome to the World. And it's a really beautiful, simplistic, um, emotional, sort of deep housey track but it's got this like live guitar and it's, it's really quite playful so for me i've had this record on my hard drive i made it 10 years ago and it's been sitting there for the right moment and that was it oh, so i played it for the wow. first track and you know when it was kind of parading ar- around the room and people were running in like literally wow. they, they would get the ticket, get the search and run to the dance floor screaming <laughs> holy shit and yeah. like um a few people were Literally bursting into tears. One girl gave yeah. gave me this like thank you card with this beautiful wow. message in you know, that that oh. I've got. And then um, from that moment, people relaxed instantly, and then it became real. And tell I'm, us I'm more
1: sure about that on, that's really interesting. Sorry, I was going to say, tell us more about so the way you saw the wave of people relax. Would you say that then suddenly felt? Dare I say, yes. did it feel yeah. like? Raves from the past and events that you would thrown, because you've thrown countless incredible parties and raves and events, quite like literally what you do. Did. did it feel then like one of those or did it always have that lovely special kind of layer at the top, if you like?
0: Uh, it, it had a, a whole kind of 10 layers of special over the wow. top. Because Because um, the, the, the anticipation and almost the, the disbelief of the fact that it was happening and people were able to kind of communicate physically with each other, with one another, with strangers. You know, you could hug people that you hadn't seen them for a long time, and you knew all the rules were left at the door. Obviously, because there's no social distancing and no masks, and all those things were. You know, it was it was the safest place in the UK on that on that weekend. No doubt about it at all. So, both days were really really special for for different reasons. But for me, it was the Friday, just because um getting obviously getting to play the first record, sort of seeing the first DJs, watching the, the range of music you have the Blessed Madonna and JDG doing the the kind of wider things and um it it was it was just incredible. And of course, you know, there's no hiding that uh ultra N- N- T- video that's been doing the rounds. So w- when I kind of prepared that moment with my record from, with Rowetta, you know, like a, I've described on Tongi last week where it was a poignant record, when will, when will we be free again? Which are released for charity, both Roetta and I last December to kind of help me, uh, families in need, really needy families. Um, um, from, from that, I put in this Martin Luther King speech saying, free at last, and then dropped it into Ultra nate. Amazing. It, was, it wasn't just in front of me that was exciting. Everybody standing behind me, I'd literally burst into tears you know almost because it was really really powerful and then when the track kicked in and the confetti went went off it felt um it felt real you know i, c- I can't believe that moment even happened as in it was it was like a scripted hollywood moment it was crazy I suppose i am a hollywood celebrity now of course <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: lucky guys. you're conveying it brilliantly there's comments already in the stream where people, uh, uh, Harry's Wells just writing Goosebumps in uppercase, and, and Nick Murphy's confirming that uh, people w- were crying at those clips. I'm sure you've heard that since, but it's not about that, I understand, as an adoration of you. It's about you being a part of a moment that's quite hard to describe, that you probably never
0: anticipated, right? Well, absolutely. I mean, you know, w- w- when I played that record, it wasn't like, I'm DJing again, circus is open again, all those things, which were part of the equation. It was, I'm seeing all my friends here, um, I won't go into i from having a tough time at home personally as well. And then on top of all that, the reality of what we've all experienced through uh, COVID in the past 14 months, you know, it wasn't just about that party. It was really a nod to all these people that had suffered for all sorts of reasons, you know, not just economically, you know, obviously, everything that's gone with COVID, we're not saying the, the D word too much. It's been awful for so many people. So it was literally like a look at the a potential future and all that responsibility seemed to kind of evaporate just for that moment.
1: The fe- That feeling of hope that I think a lot of people wrote, I certainly wrote that in tweets, I know people like Simon Dunmore here from that the the hope word was used an awful lot and I think that means an awful lot to an awful lot of people. This country, so a lot of people still just joining um, and I know a lot of people around the world were in very different places but. Just to recap, we're talking about this, kind of the ultimately, the first event back, first rave band that Youssef held a couple of weeks ago and how that's providing hope really for, I think, a lot of us full stop in terms of the future of events. Before we move on to another couple of people and Youssef gonna come back and we're gonna to touch upon this for the whole conversation. Just touch upon, if you can, everything that you went through. When you're describing stuff like I had week, uh, daily uh, meetings with scientists, anyone who puts on events or works in the industry, I understand, that's that's quite new. That's quite novel. Like, there's enough stuff on anyway, right? Um, but the fact that we're having to suss out the science of an evening is quite hard. Is it feasible or possible, you know, moving forward for club nights, festivals to be doing these procedures ongoing? Or or is this a one-off and it needs to be done entirely differently? What kind of experience have you got there that everyone can understand?
0: Yeah, I think that's a $64 million question, isn't it, really? You know, I've been asked that maybe a hundred times for the past two weeks um from like all oh, peers texting me what's going on what's going on what's the story how are we, are, are we going to be needing to test and i i don't know the answers by any stretch of the imagination but what i what i can say is the easy part is getting tested getting your test in your local especially in liverpool where you know there's a test there's hundreds of testing centers it's really quite easy maybe not hundreds but there's a lot Get your ticket, that's the easy part. Having a professional club environment where, you know, you get scanned on your ticket as normal, Mark will know. Um, all that mm-hmm. is, is, is normal. The difficult part, which I don't think will be able to kind of be replicated for everybody, is the, the or the, the 4.30 meeting crew, what I explained earlier on. Everyone kind of deciding what today's rules are because that's the way it is. There are different rules every day because this. Like you say, the, this war that we're in is a moving target, and the, the the ongoing strategy of war is it changes every day, and you need right. to kind of be you need to be nimble and prepare and agile to kind of see what the rules are today. How are we going to get into this? So, with all those things, with that considered, I unless it's, a, it's it's a blanket look. This is this is the the blueprint. This is what we've taken from these events, and this is the situation you're going to need testing to go in, in events of certain scale, then maybe. But I, my, my feeling is there won't be testing at all. Uh, it, it will be, look, we've come a long way. We've all behaved relatively well. Um, we've done our best to kind of get to a point where we have to go back to normal life. And that's what I feel is going to be uh, the future. And that's just an optimistic view rather than uh like a, a definition of any variety. Well, I'm all over the
1: optimism. Uh, if nothing else, uh, there's a nice comment there from Nick Murphy. He says for me, it's all about the human connection. Music really bringing people back together, and I think that will be the theme for many of us for the rest of the year. I saw the clips. I wasn't lucky enough to be there. I know George, you were at the event, uh, for example. I saw some of the clips. It certainly was, like, was. It was. <laughs> <is." laughs> <laughs> we didn't go to the event, but. Um, <laughs> Uh, But I know when I saw the clips, I was like, gosh, is this what it's all going to be like when we get back? And I
0: meant that in a lovely way. Mark, like... Before you go on, I just wanted to say, I've never seen a club be like a mosh pit for eight hours. It was non-stop. It was crazy. So the release was really there. Was that yours?
2: it It was literally like after every single drop of each track, it was just a cheer. It wasn't like the one or two huge festival cheers that you get. It was the whole day. It was how insane oh, it was lovely. insane
1: well so uh, george I'm, i was going to go on Mark for a second but just while you're talking what are the reflections what? from being a punter there rather than any other separate questions you you go in there actually as a punter as it were
2: yeah i, I thought i thought uh, obviously one of the best things was the way you guys run it it was so slick from start to finish even like even before you get in there and receiving all of the accreditation that you have to do um, and it was just, yeah, simply the euphoria that was in that venue on that first day on the Friday. I didn't go on the Saturday, but um, it was probably one of the best clubbing experiences I've ever had. It was amazing. <laughs> so, uh,
1: and he's been to a lot. Mark. Um, been to a lot. Yeah. And tell us a little bit uh, more, hopefully, within your answer about the role and, and about Broadbit and the events and the incredible venues um, that people wouldn't know. But during this time, again, I, I think it's understating, I mean, it's been pretty hard. Uh, for you guys, I know though that you 've also been looking at other ways that you can frankly you know still keep the momentum still keep it going still having a connection with audiences Tell us a little bit about what you guys or how venues have frankly survived during this time um, as well as perhaps reflecting on some of the hope that you know we 've just been describing on back of uses event
4: yeah I, I, I think um as a company we've we 've always sort of operated our venues as sort of multi spaces um we, we've always sort of first and foremost found spaces that will work for the club experience for for live music but there's always been a, a sort of side of what we do so that we can keep the venue operating through the week as well and sort of that extra revenue that we would normally bring in on on a, on a normal operating year has been a bit of a lifeline for us whilst um there has been no live music so I think um we've done quite a lot of interesting live streams we had the Dua Lipa, um live stream which she carried out which was one of the, one of the most impressive things i think i've ever seen from a virtual uh, event we did uh, new year's eve with you guys uh, we we did a, a live broadcast from the ve- uh, a pre-recorded broadcast from the venue with you guys we did um we did a essential mix with camel fat from the venue and then we 've had various things in there as well. I, I think the the benefit that we get is because all our venues are quite large capacity um, it 's quite useful having huge warehouse space in london it 's still very much in demand for various reasons if they're not, if it 's not music events um, one One key thing that we we do uh, in the venue quite a lot is um film shoots so we've we 've done sort of um We've had blockbuster movies in there, we've had uh, music videos, we've had uh, TV series. So that that all sort of helps us keep on the lights. Um, So I I think that's one area we have been lucky in. Um, But obviously having such vast spaces, there's a lot of overheads to manage as well. So I think if we didn't have stuff like the CRF, um, Grant uh, to sit alongside what we 've been bringing in additionally we we, we would be in a, in a in a bad place as as much as anyone else would be really it's it's always sort of been um, for us to just try and keep everything going as much as possible um with 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 what 's available to us really and do you, I, I think you 've seen a lot of innovation across all of the music industry with people turning the hand to various things that one thing that we didn't do personally was um, any form of sort of branded live streams. But one of the main reasons for that is you guys came out the first week of lockdown with this amazing stream. And we were like, wow, um, I don't really want, we don't really want to do anything. We we shared your stream through all our channels. We were like, these guys have nailed it. So I think let no, yeah. best just leave that alone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> A really hard act to follow. But we're joking though, but when you're
1: talking about converting a venue that is a warehouse space and allowing it to be like done for film shoots, what that also necessitates is you guys getting around a table right and talking about, look, we need to adapt or we need to innovate or we need to shift it Was that an easy conversation to have early on because as you say it's a it's a financial imperative that you did, or were you kind of in those early days, what a yearish ago now just over? Was it a more uncertain kind of moment of when we'd be back and holding your, you know, holding your fire,
4: as it were? Yeah, it was. It was I'm sure, as did everyone, when we first went into lockdown. I was looking through some emails in that period this week, and we're talking about reopening in three weeks time five weeks' time. <laughs> and, and everyone's being pretty optimistic about it and then th- there was a period that, that that first probably two months where nothing really happened like we most people just did not leave their house at all and we had calls with um, with all our ops team our like our bookings team and sat down and said well what are we physically allowed to do and then we started getting some very early inquiries and then we were then having to sort of consult with uh, the government advice lines on are we allowed to do this? What what can we physically do? Like what, what activity are you allowing? Like um, I think broadcast was classed as um, an essential service very early on. So we, we did start looking at, OK, if broadcast is an essential service, what people... We'll be looking for spaces to broadcast from. We had initial conversations with that. And for us, it was very much, we'd all check in on a weekly basis and say, okay, do, do we have an update? Do we know what we can do? Is there anything that's been loosened off? Is, is, does anyone have any ideas? And it was just literally um, a round table, really, from everyone from our side, just sort of try to come up with creative ideas to keep the lights on.
1: Yeah, which I guess, as you say, was essential. And there's the comments, by the way, going on about, works is such an epic space and I think I guess that's the point there was a there was a moment wasn't there where showcasing that space when it wasn't frankly full to the rafters in all its kind of beauty which is full of people was was incredibly poignant actually and there was kind of quite a moment you touch upon some of the help perhaps you received. looking at the way the government handled things full stop I think we've all got various opinions on that be it uh, the thought of hospitality certainly in this country in the UK where all of us are based here today how would you could you do things differently if you were to find yourselves in a similar situation you know in the future you know were there mistakes made was it the best that you could possibly have done given the circumstances that frankly we were dealt what do you think now now we're sat here in may just over a year on
4: as you say it's it's quite tricky because i do feel that we have as a business benefited from some of the things that were put into place but I feel that, I think that the furlough schemes allowed us to keep a lot of our staff on. Um, the CRF fund has allowed us to cover ongoing costs that we had, but look, the, there was a lot of gaps that were left over. I, I, I think, um, especially freelancers, freelancers that work for us and people generally that work freelance in the music industry, but in, in a lot of other industries as well. The people, the people that work in the gig economy, their, their tax returns don 't necessarily reflect the information that the, the quali- that was that sort of was a qualifying criteria for people to be able to claim anything so i 've got people that are, are close friends that have worked but because of their work circumstances so they were employed some of the time they were freelance other times they 've not been able to claim anything um, and they work in an industry that they 've not been able to operate in so I just think that hindsight is a wonderful thing, but I just feel like the government sort of ticked some very big boxes at the top and made made sure that certain cultural um, institutions were covered, but didn't really consider um, the overall industry, and especially the overall music industry. Like, I feel like, obviously, the comments that Rishi Sunak made about retrain was just absolutely ridiculous, so ill-advised. Like, I couldn't believe the words were coming out of his mouth. Like, he was basically just saying, if you contribute to the UK economy in terms of culture, you are worthless now. Yeah. Um, and you know what I, mean? I, I think everyone that's, everyone that's on this panel today and everyone that's listening today like, will agree with what I'm saying, that it, it was just so badly handled in that regard. And, and you, you compare and contrast that to what I think was what
1: like a week ago when Germany, in Germany they um, they gave nightclubs that same status, cultural institution status as, say, museums. Do you think that might happen in other countries, for example? Should it happen? Is that a good thing? It feels good to me.
4: Yeah, 100%. I, I think it's a great thing to happen. Will it happen in the UK? I massively doubt it. Um, would it happen in somewhere like Holland? Yes, I think so. I just think um, the, the UK government, and I think sp- specifically that when it's a conservative government, they, they just don't have a proper handle on what modern culture is. To um, them, it's theatre, it's, it's fine art, it's ballet, it's opera. It's not what the amount of the, 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 the base like the majority of the population don't consume that culture. If you looked out and looked at the culture that the majority of this country consume, it is modern contemporary culture, be it music, be it film whatever that is that how they classify it is just uh, so outdated and just it just needs to be it just needs to be relooked at really i know um, I know that we've had discussions myself jos maria i've had discussions with Michael Kill at NTIA about what can be done to sort of help educate and do, and work with sort of the arts council so they have a more of an understanding especially about electronic music but i, I think that there is such a huge education process to everyone in power to actually understand what the youth of today actually are interested in and why it's so culturally significant yeah, oh, yeah.
3: Yes. I mean, I, I, would, I would actually, uh, maybe going off a bit piece here, but I would actually say government have shown, you know, they've missed their true colours. We've got a uh, cultural and economic value of our industry combined with live and with uh, events and hospitality It's the fifth biggest GDP in this country. And the reality is, is that that is an industry worth fighting for. And yet, for whatever reason, the government did their absolute best to make it as difficult as possible. And all the conversations that are going on in our, we're calling it the Monday Club.
0: I don't yeah. know how
3: we've ended up with that. Yeah, I just um, said
0: it one day. It's actually
3: working. <laughs> Obviously, you know, I've now joined the board of the NTIA and we're all working Youssef. I mean, you know, one of the big things was we needed artists to step up. And Youssef absolutely has represented his community of artists in the best possible way. It's exactly what we needed to galvanize people power, people support for what we're trying to say about the value of our culture to the UK economy, not just economically, but also to people's mental health. Like if you look at what's been consumed over lockdown, it, it was, I think, I can't remember the statistic, but I think 90% electronic music of people giving away free streams, people, you know, remember when we were in deep lockdown each time, what were you listening to on a Friday night? It was definitely electronic music. You were definitely tuning in and having a rave in your kitchen, weren't you? You know? So one of the things that we're working on with the NTIA at the moment is we are actually putting together a very, a report, and we're going into government, and we are basically representing electronic music for its value to culture, that you know it's a working class art form, it's not a middle class art form. I'm absolutely sure that the work that went in with all the campaigns, whether it's Save Nightlife or Let Us Dance, got us a bit more money from the CRF fund as well. But we also found out from doing all the CRF work that the Arts Council don't really understand our business. So they were giving out money to companies might not necessarily you know that were very good at filling out forms but they didn't really understand who they were giving the money to because there's no one there that's i don't know paid to or interested in this phenomenal uh business that we have in the uk so um yeah that's what i wanted to add about all of that
0: maria the the crf fund 91 percent of it went to classical arts
3: yeah, percent.
0: Mm-hmm. We, we, you know, that work crazy. that we
3: did meant that we got a slightly bigger portion allocated to our or, or sort of to a wide reaching genre of music. We were sure. so, you know, one of the great things about us all is that we're so tenacious, such entrepreneurs, that we went for it, didn't we? We acted like we were trying to sell tickets for a rave. We're like, (laughs) give us money!
0: Give us
3: money! (laughs) And actually, we are making inroads here. Michael is doing excellent work at NTIA. You know, the, the group that we're on, we're working really hard at the moment to get together a report. And we already know that they know this report's coming and that the government are being asked well, what did you give to electronic music? How do you support electronic music? They're asking these questions already, and they can't answer them. So we know we're making a difference to represent yeah. our culture and to future proof it in, in in as we move forward. If ever anything like this was to ever happen again, Maria,
1: your language I find very like uniting. You use words like galvanise and mobilise. Mm-hmm. Would I? Would it be though going too far to suggest that? Because, frankly, of the level of negativity, of, frankly, how badly things were dealt with, of perhaps the arrogance of government and all of that kind of stuff, I personally have always had a belief that from adversity comes great creativity. Do you think there is still a chance for that? I took a lot of positivity in what you've just said, which is ultimately, though, a very, you know, mobilising kind of speech of what needs to be done. Could it be that that ultimately will lead to good things, to positivity, to fresh ideas, to fresh thinking?
3: Um, I definitely think that a lot of us have realised that working together means that we're stronger. Together, we are stronger. But um, I think, well, I think, I you think don't know.
1: sorry, for those who don't know in the audience, there's quite a lot watching yeah. around the world. Was that not the case before? Tell us about it. Was it a more divided? No,
3: we were we were in combat mode. We were like like getting gigs, making money, doing you know selling tickets, doing really good work. mate you know like getting ax getting ax loads of work as an agent. We were we were just doing great business great service to our artists I'm speaking personally now of course um and we were like working as hard as we could to just you know be as successful as we could and I think it didn't allow for the level of cooperation that I've certainly seen in the last year amongst some some really key people in the music industry um I think we're gonna have a tough battle with government I mean we've certainly discovered that like you know they like listening to coldplay or elton john and whilst there's nothing wrong with listening to those artists i do myself sometimes but you know the reality is is that there is a very we we've got a we've got a sort of people in power that are like you know in their 60 50 late fifties, 60s and 70s they don't really connect with what's going on on the streets like in the warehouses at club level with kids making music in their bedrooms they're not they're not really connected with it and i think We've all just trailblazed through making money, not asking for any support, not really caring about, you know, the acknowledgments of government. And I think, you know, our business now, we need to recognize that actually dealing with whoever happens to be in power, whether you agree with their politics or not. I personally don't. But there you go. We won't go down that route. Um, (laughs) But the reality is, is that um, we need to have dialogue with the people that happen to be in power because You asked earlier, like, would we do it differently? Well, if we were recognised or respected for the value to education, mental health, um, uh, you know, economic, cultural value, we may have found that we would have got more supports. Freelancers potentially may, I'm not saying 100%, there's 3 million of those people that didn't get any money at all, whilst there's 7 million people on a furlough scheme right now. So you know maybe we would they they would have done it differently if they had a more understanding or more recognition of the value that we bring to uh the uk
2: i also i also think uh, correct me if i'm wrong but was it was it um different territories it was the different councils that gave those funds so was it up to the individual councils who was giving the funds out
3: the money that they allocated a a, a ton of money like can't remember the exact figure probably like what, 140 million and they gave it to the arts council to dish it out based on application forms Mm. Um, we do have a problem with running events and getting the whole ecosystem up and running again whereas the uk government when boris is talking about what's going on with health and safety and test events he really is only talking about england he's not really talking about what's going on in wales or scotland that's the slight difference with how that's working again Yoss and i have discovered on all our calls that most government departments don't even speak to each other we're getting different information from different departments no, there's no communication they're just wholly focused on a pandemic and like you know you you have to get their attention by well i think the best way is through social media pressure they react Great. they have reacted yeah. over the last year to everything that our community has done to shine a light on what we needed to shine a light on. There's still quite a few more issues that we need to go through. Um, and obviously you were very keen that we kept this positive
0: today. So I won't, <laughs> I won't be talking <laughs> about
3: insurance.
0: They, but, they, they um... simply don't know. <laughs> they, the government simply don't know we exist, which is known yeah. as This time next year, they, they know. know. Well, <laughs> they, they do, but like, I'm talking about that report that we're all, we're all working on. I can guarantee it's coming it's coming up them like a wrecking ball believe me.
3: Yeah, we've got fire in our bellies now, haven't we? We're determined to represent the music that we love that we've all, you know, lived in as an ecosystem. We 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 live and breathe this and we've, you know, worked our way up from the ground up to this point of whatever level professionally people regard us to be at, but the reality is is that we we are passionately care about this art form. We see its value, we see what it does to local communities, we see the footfall of value economically that it brings to regional towns when people go to a nightclub, go to a cafe afterwards, stay in a hotel, use a taxi. You know, the value of our scene to our local communities everywhere is huge and we need to speak up now. It's time for us to start really representing the value of of our scene to the government.
1: Mm Your articulation of that is where I glean positivity from, and that's where I also hope that there are such fresh ideas, George. Um, Hello. Your position, and it's very global in the fe- in the way that you are talking. You know, yes, nationwide, but in whether it be Ibiza or American tours or whatever, give us a bit of reflection on that as well. Like, what is the overall feeling right now today? Are you frankly exactly inundated with inquiries? Is it a bit concerned? How are you seeing it playing at the moment?
2: I feel like we're a little bit in no man's land um, because nobody really does know. And everybody is planning so far ahead in advance. And it's super, super difficult because you need to then plan in advance because you need to be prepared for when this is all lifted. Um, And you just don't know if you're doing it in vain. So it's a really, really difficult situation where you're putting all of these resources in, you're you're booking it in, you're remaining hopeful, you're you need to act as if it's going ahead. But then are we going to find ourselves back in the same situation that we were when it first happened and have to undo all of that hard work? I really, really do hope not. I think the UK definitely stands the biggest chance for us within our world and with what we do. Um and yeah, like we we are planning, like we're planning um, USA tours. Uh, we're planning uh, Australia for twenty twenty two early on. Um, we we're we're ready to go with the BIFA. So the whole of the this season, the BIFA's booked, ready to go. But then it goes to the fact like we still don't know if it's one hundred percent happening. So then, for example, uh, there's a socially distanced event in the UK, which is one hundred percent happening and it challenges that date. I then have to do the right thing and let that date go like I think that's more than fair so we're finding ourselves in a bit of a predicament where we're losing talent on dates which might happen but might not and then we also can't say no you can't have that date because then if it doesn't happen who looks like the idiot and I'm being unfair so we're really in this Rubik's Cube of we don't know what's happening but we are pretty much all prepared because i've never worked so hard it's ridiculous really? how much we've yeah. we got ready yeah it's, at the moment.
3: it's nuts
2: Everyone. i think
4: myself and george have had so many conversations where we're like we're moving things around we're not doing a certain artist because we might have to do them somewhere else but then we're like well what happens if that show doesn't happen we should put them onto this show and honestly we, we, have, we have like a call each week just speaking about things that might never happen
3: yeah. Yeah. I mean, I. mean, same... same... Go on, George. Sorry.
2: <laughs> Sorry. Also, we've we've like had the same shows being moved and moved and moved. And then the problem is, is the agents, the managers, us as promoters, we get bored of that show. It's like, right. OK, what do we do? Do we just do a clean slate? Let's cancel it all. And then until we know or do we carry on? Um, you never know, like because it's potentially a year and a half, two years later, some of the talent might not be relevant to what we want now example it's it's a really difficult situation
3: are there
1: other elements elements, george like that that like will we see an increase in smaller venues smaller events for example will it be different set times on djs is it more locally sourced what are are there other kind of shifts that you're suspecting is about to happen
2: absolutely i i think uh like the local heroes are really going to strive and the ones who have been really active within lockdown ie in the studio releasing music remaining active on their social media and they're the ones who are going to get booked for the clubs around their area because they're 100 percent going to be there um i really think it is time for the local heroes to climb the ranks and come up shining which maybe they didn't get that opportunity before
1: um, maria tell us a little bit more about that we've talked about be it mark when we're talking about the, the venues and when they're not used george's current perspective the feeling that Yusef described. Tell us a little bit more about, well, frankly, the people at the heart of it, the artists, the DJs. What's been going on in this time for some of the audience? Again, it's a global audience, some of them quite young here on Twitch, big fans of individual artists. What's it been like for them? How half of them frankly earn money doing entirely different stuff. What's it gonna mean for artist fees going forward? Give us a bit of perspective on that.
3: Okay, well, I mean, I think for the artists that are, you know, are like super established, I think they've been weathering this storm to some degree and they've been quietly in the studio making music. And I've got clients like David Guetta that has been doing United with Stream events where he's like raised millions for charity and really shone a light on like the production values of what you can do with electronic music at like amazing venues around the world. So it's been really exciting. um, I've got other artists that have been doing loads of streaming from their kitchens. We all know who I'm talking about. And um, <laughs> I've done really well with that in the UK. And, uh, but I do see a lot of the younger mid-tier artists who are really struggling financially. Like it's yeah. it's been the hardest year ever. You know, I remember like when the round two of the CRF funding, I was helping and so many people were, so many artists, surprising number of artists and surprising caliber of artists to get some CRF funding to keep them going with their labels and stuff because it literally was the only option for them to keep going because there literally has been no money of any real value since last March. Like that is, it literally has been no shows, no money. I mean, I think the acts that are able to have hits over lockdown and we've seen quite a lot um of uh, my artists having some really strong records on radio and you know so there are obviously streaming opportunities and there has been private streams and there has been a few pay-for-view scenarios going on but it's not been enough to sustain a career or a business it's not like that's not enough to keep walls from the door that's like one-off opportunities here there and everywhere i mean certainly all my djs didn't play any play play graves or go and Risk the local communities by playing or encouraging people to, you know, go into areas. So that, you know, pretty much my roster has been off for a year. Um, the next, what was the next bit of the question? Sorry, because I felt like I was going off on a tangent then.
1: There was actually a lot of love for Got One. I think people saw through <laughs> the lines when you started talking about pitching this. <laughs> it
0: was also. <laughs>
1: Fox always got a huge amount of supporters. Wherever stream or any conversation, there's always a lot of got one love. Which I love. He's
3: absolutely there
1: was adorable. Really there was also, and he's been smashing it during this, this time. And yeah. I think something you've just said, which we interesting, was a lot of the let's say perhaps older, but certainly established, brilliant professional acts are arguably the ones who worked the hardest. I don't know if you found that, but from a sense that we, you know, you've seen is that they've been grafting and putting their time in and. Innovating and also providing
3: work for people, you know, like every time we do something with David, it takes a full crew of 12 people. And yes, we jump, you know, jump through hoops in order to get them into these countries, allow them to fly, but it's actually created work for them, you know. So we were like, you know, thinking about that all the time in the safest possible way, you know, no crowd, no people doing these live sort of streams and stuff, so you know. Um, I think um, in terms of what's happening in Europe right now, which is quite interesting, as George was saying, I mean, we are literally like walking in glue at the moment. It's like limbo of the highest order. You know, September, everything's moved into September, all the festivals. I know there's some shows in the summer in Croatia and stuff that are still up. But in the most part, I've literally got some of the major artists four festivals on hold and if that one gets cancelled then we can put you on there and I've never had it, this has been like, it's like 1992 again, like mm-hmm. where we've got like multiple shows, but the reality is, is most of them won't happen no. so like we're all so, like and... holding out for the government to say something, we definitely are in Ibiza, that's what everyone's waiting for, for the government to say something maybe August, maybe um, I don't think July is an option now, maybe you know, um, we're certainly seeing <laughs> In the last two weeks, I think we've probably had about 20 festivals cancel or rescheduled to next year from the July period. So I do feel like July is looking less and less likely. I mean, I think there's a few still stuck in there, isn't there? There's the one in Romania, and then there's obviously Exit Festival saying that they're still running. Very much looking forward to that. Um, But apart from that, very few things.
1: Tying in a couple of parts, there's so many interesting bits you've just said. Simon, Simon Marlin from Shapeshifters is in the stream, and he was agreeing with what you just said and saying we've all had to adapt uh, there was a really interesting comment from a, a paula samford who actually says people like myself i've got autism i actually don't go to venues uh, i have this option though now of watching live streams and it's yeah. opened up an entirely new world maria how do you relate that and i want to get a bit more into that So i want to know if from the from all of you if that's frankly going to continue if there is this hybrid model or if it's dead when we're do you know
3: what i have absolutely no problem on a sold out show if the promoter wants to live stream it to an audience who can't be there whether it because the venue the event sells out every year like a primavera you can never get a ticket for that you never get a guest list for that um so like you know why not live stream the main stage show and Mm. potentially pay for view on a lower ticket price to people i don't think on certain events it's going to affect the tickets that we sell, mm. I also think for someone who has learning difficulties there's a lot of people that are excluded not not because people don't, we don't want them there but for by virtue of like the, the, it's not a right environment for them to be in uh, disabled people have real issues with access at certain venues they shouldn't but they do and then obviously people with kids young children can't go out as much as they would so why mm. on earth wouldn't you have this situation where we open up? this ability to watch these shows from home at a ticket price the issues I have with it are the quality of it but also uh we're seeing some major operators now adding pay-for-view into their terms and conditions so as in the past where you always get those you have to give your streaming radio broadcast now pay-for-views in there so one of the big things that I'm fighting for is like uh, excuse me that's income for performance
0: yeah, yeah. Uh,
3: uh, yeah. What what share is the artist getting? Obviously, maybe our audience, you know, not interested in these conversations, but the reality is it's like, you know, we're seeing like when streaming first came in, everybody rushed to it. They wanted to be part of it back in the day. And the, the deals that were done set a precedent that were pretty unfair to artists. So I think it's really important as an industry now, we look at how we do this, how we break this new income a stream in this new sign of the income stream in and work out what's the fairest way to break this down so everybody gets a share mm. of it. Otherwise, some... We're going to have some real issues with acts who are saying, I'm not going to do that festival unless you give me some money. And I think once again, the headliners are going to get away with this, but the mid or lower tier artists are going to be like, Well, I really want to play that festival. Okay, I'm going to accept this. Yeah. And I don't think that's fair. So I think it's, a, it's another thing that I'm discussing amongst our industry to try and come up with or try and encourage people to look at this. And, you know, in the rock and roll world, it's really interesting. They're like they don't in the majority don't see how streaming or pay-per-view is the, is the way forward. Um, But I feel like you're seeing in theatres at the moment a real innovative approach to technology in theatres with VR and AR and then streaming and how it's opening up theatre to a wider audience for all the reasons that we've discussed. And I really feel like, I mean, I feel like that this is definitely a new income stream and definitely to open up access to people that might not necessarily be able to go to the show for whatever reason.
1: Maria, you say far too many good things. I've written about about 28 points that I now want to pick up from.
3: <laughs>
1: there's also a million comments coming in. You've, your last five minutes has definitely been the most engaged so far. People like Shape's actually as well said there's a whole bunch of new people and audience who he's not going to forget now who basically come in as a consequence of the streams, which is nice. George, just something that, again, Maria said I'd love you to reflect on. The notion of accessibility. When you're putting on a show, and it might be with, like, Mark and five thousand ish you know cat which is amazing kind yeah. of venue all yeah. of a sudden during the virtual events which we all know aren't the goosebumps they're not the sweat pouring on you but they are sure. bringing you together you're suddenly reaching two million that's quite humbling right and I, I suspect for you when you were first put on one was that eye-opening was that surprising
2: it, it was mad I think obviously because it was yourself me where's Simon and Tom and crew, we all just jumped on the WhatsApp and we were like, right, what do we do? How can we reach people to spread positivity? And it really was like the first few we did, it was so much hype. Like I was getting friends from around the world messaging saying I've set up a Zoom with all my friends and we've all got our glitter on because it was a glitter box uh, live stream. (laughs) And they were having parties in their lounge on their own but with their mates when Zoom wasn't really like a thing back then, like it was insane. and also, Maria, back to your point as well, I think, I think you, you're completely correct. I think it's a really good pay-per-view is a really good opportunity, one for revenue, um, but also for people who can't make it. And I think if we take the same route, how, how sports mastered pay-per-view in a fair way, I think that will be definitely the direction that, and the business model we should take. we no,
0: oh, kind of already got to set up the circus or, well, sorry, with, 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 no, with yeah, a company. Just, we've kind of already got it set up for circus that we, we trialed it sort of in the first dance on the first day but what what we took advice upon was people when it comes to live streams they only watch a small percentage of it start to finish like yeah. a really small percentage of it less than 10 but for audio streams it's like high 90s or mid it's in 90s so in terms of having the engagement with what is actually happening listening audio wise um that's the way we're going to go with it with with things and in terms of splitting things the the economics of it out excuse me um i i think it, it it really depends on how many artists are there but my kind of maybe romantic viewpoint is it splits evenly across all the artists and a portion goes to a certain charity Yeah, Yeah, I mean, let's come
3: up with with a model that's fair. Yeah. yeah. basically all I'm saying, rather than the live nations of the world just basically taking that income and adding it into their parent costings when they've already got all the kit there anyway, um, and they're just filming the bands and, like, broadcasting it. Like, this this conversation needs to be had. I I also want to say thank you to Defected. Like, it was one thing that saved me in lockdown. Like, it was just, like, the event of the weekend. It was... It was pretty awesome. It was really was. It really was. Really it? was. Yeah. I, need,
1: I need to quickly read you out some more comments because it's very, very lively. It's really lovely. Um, Lex Matt was agreeing <coughs> with what George says, looking at the sports uh, space, saying, look, POV works. We're ready for it. We show it in sports, so why not elsewhere? I also love the fact that, Maria, you're plucking out things like theatre. George, you're talking about stuff like sports. I think we are nothing but open to borrowing from other industries as the best future for our own, which is a great shout. Junkie, mm-hmm. Seven, uh, one of my favourite comments of the day, Maria is pushing thought and I love it. Um, I'm not even sure exactly what that means, but I love it too. Uh, Marissa says, yes, George, those live streams were amazing and that was kind of concurred by uh, Paula Sanford. who was like, I still got those goosebumps watching live streams. My personal okay. perspective there is, Maria, exactly as you're articulating, there must be a middle ground where we can get accessibility for all, wherever you are in the world, where you can... Tune in in Australia to Yousef's next incredible event. Maybe you're not there, but maybe you are still feeling a part of it. And maybe there is a commercial realisation to make that worthwhile, you know, but accessible for everyone.
3: I mean, I do think that's nice to, when you have these sweaty clubs that there's a, they, they're not filmed. And we all re- maybe we all remember the days we used to go into space and they used to take the cameras off you before mobile phones. And that's <laughs> why the memory... The memory of space and Studio 54 are that they were amazing because there's no video footage or pictures of well, real pictures of of what actually went on in them. So, but I do feel like for sold out events that people can't get tickets for, they and and and, and there is demand, then we should we could open it up for for yeah. those fans that want to take part that can't actually be there in person, and also the whole VRAR thing. You know, the sports model is that you are going to be able to and and people in music are going to freak out. But wear a headset and buy front row seats to a basketball match. And it's going to be exactly like you're there. Now, listen, whilst I'm not taking away the actual real experience and like I'm killing the vibe here. There are (laughs) going to be some people, gamers especially, that can have no problem with doing that and being part of an event in that way, in their living room, in their socks but it, they're yeah. still gonna have a good time. So yeah. why why would we Thank knock that? Like, Thank you, you for know, that I do think memory.
4: especially <laughs> that the younger generation engages with this technology a bit more as well. So yeah. where it might be people of our generation won't engage as much with VR and AR, they're sort of growing up with that technology being there. So when we do hit the age of getting really into going out, listening to music, I, I think they're gonna sort of embrace that technology as, as the technology grows itself as well. yeah. So th- th- there will be a point in 10 years' time where you will be able to put a headset on and you are literally <clears throat> in a crystal clear environment exactly as if you were there. And it'll be a great experience. It'll be a different experience, but it'll still be a great experience.
1: Mark, you, are you actively pursuing... Because it feels almost like paradoxical that you are quite literally, you know, the, the bastion of these unbelievable places, these incredible uh, uh um, iconic venues are under your sort of ownership but would you are you exploring stuff like that to better show them is that a few is that a near future for you guys
4: um it's something that we've looked into and we feel sort of when the technology is right we will embrace it um i i, I was part of the founding team of a music virtual reality company called melody vr i, I was there for three years we we, we formed in t- uh 2014 and when we were having those conversations back then six seven years ago people thought we were crazy that we would go in and sit sit in with the record labels sitting with artist managers and they were just like what you want to do a concert in virtual reality what even is virtual reality like everyone just like harked back to films like the lawnmower man and that sort of (laughs) 1980s vr and obviously the tech has moved so much further than that so i I think we're definitely a crossroads now where Maybe not straight away, but three, five years time from now that the technology will be like <clears throat> at the level where people will embrace it a lot more. And I think look, contradicting myself as well, one of the themes that we've done for when we reopen printworks, the opening weekend of printworks we've called redacted and we are taking away all content from the venue. Um we're going to seal people's phones in sort of little wallets as they arrive there Um media are allowed on site but they can only have written reviews they're not allowed to take any photos wicked. none of the none of the artists know who else is playing until oh that God. person gets on stage yeah, like that.
2: that's good i
3: mean so yeah we, we ju- yeah go on i was just gonna we, say we, 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 yeah go on you say go on.
4: sorry um yeah. So, so the idea behind that was like, look, if you've not been in the club environment for 15 months by the time we reopen, like let's just strip away everything else to do with sort of like your, the outside world and just go in there and just embrace the, the event itself and just lose yourself.
3: Well, I'll come. That sounds amazing. I love all that
2: Absolutely. stuff. Absolutely. No, I also it's... want
3: to say there is a there is a point where sometimes doing a free stream, as we've all seen with you know Isolation Nation defected, you know whatever it is, actually you get a bigger audience. So managing, you know, and so for an artist, if you're looking for a promotional moment, is it better to do a free stream and play in front of three million people, or do a pay for view one where it's you know whatever the numbers are? So I don't know.
1: George, tell us a bit more about that from your, again, you could be personal perspective as much as a defect perspective. I know you and I were literally in a conversation only this morning whereby it was a, a physical event or a couple of them. And we it was almost a given that we would concurrently stream at least some of it or part of it. Is that oh, novel, part of your conversations or is that quite novel or most people are like, look, don't worry about the virtual thing now. We're back in the game. Where's the appetite at the moment?
2: Well, it's definitely to get live back up and running. And like me personally, I'd happily get rid of virtual if it was going to stop live, for example, it wouldn't, wouldn't be an issue. But I do think um, I do think being able to offer it and the biggest hurdle that you come across, um, I was speaking to James Sutcliffe from Live Now yesterday, and the biggest hurdle that he's coming across for the live streaming is artists aren't comfortable with them being filmed so mistakes happen djs do make mistakes etc and you will be absolutely slated if you're on a live stream and that happens so obviously it doesn't happen often but it does happen and i think i think that is an issue and i think if there is going to be pay-per-view i think you'll want to watch the whole event and getting every single artist and every single set time to confirm will be super super difficult and it's just that extra added layer of stress um but i do i do think it will become more normal it's kind of like the vr thing like i'm quite pro it's at the minute it feels like a bit of a gimmick but every household will have a vr set in 10 15 years time like i do believe in that
1: i i mean i guess i agree entirely with i think it was mark who was mentioning the age range at the end of the day if you are of a certain age who's grown up used to open world gaming formats then it's a given that you might go into Fortnite and watch Travis Scott or it's a given that <laughs> you <might be laughs> yeah. in Minecraft because that's simply a space and a place where you spend time for many of yeah. us that might feel alien and novelty but for others it's like well no that's a part of my day of course I can then consume a pretty amazing amazingly produced piece of music in that environment
2: yeah, I, th- I think it was also like, what is the demand going to be? So, like for example, I think it was the Dua Lipa one market. Printworks sold five million tickets to watch her, like, which is insane, and that is obviously an insane amount of money that's coming a global in.
3: Global audience as well. It wasn't Glo- just like it was global, which is an yeah. interesting thing as well. Yeah.
2: So and then it's like, is that appetite going to be there? So most events on a Friday, Saturday, right? So are people going to be at home or are they just going to, are they going to be at the pub? It's like, who is going to watch these streams and how many people, and is it worth it? I suppose you're supposed, you've you got to get your morals right and why you're doing the live stream. If it's for the community, 100%. If it's purely just for the money, probably not. Tell
1: us more about that appetite because, you know, Yusef's event sold out, what was it, Yusef, in a matter of minutes, certainly, wasn't it? Was
0: well, it for minutes? yeah, well, the, 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 the Saturday one sold out instantly, pretty much, and the Friday one, did eventually it was a lot slower than we expected to be perfectly honest but, and you said
1: you said and george how do you see that now panning out george you did the same with the drum sheds affected event that sold out as swift as anything probably you've ever done
2: Both we, of you, yeah
1: is that going to maintain this year or are you thinking come on that's impossible
2: we could only wish uh <laughs> i think i think that i think the appetite i think lots of people are just desperate to go out and people were scrambling to announce because lots of people want to make plans they want to have that hope in their calendar right i'm going to this event yeah. and uh mark and i we were discussing we we're like right cool let's get this on sale and i think we turned it around pretty quickly and it uh so it sold out in i think two hours with just the brands which was amazing <clears> But <throat> i don't think that will always happen like i think yeah really I, a big I would one-off.
4: say um where we've already seen a little bit of a lull in ticket sales recently. Yeah. Um, Cause we've probably put 30, 40 shows out in the past two to three months. And I feel like there's just a little bit of buyers fatigue at the minute because people have bought tickets for events that are two, three, four months away from now. They're now able to go out with their friends and go to the pub and start sort of getting that social interaction back again. I think until it gets to June the 21st and there's been no, like no, nothing st- stopping the shows going ahead as planned. I feel like we're probably in an, only a short period, probably another three to three to five weeks where people are like, I'm not gonna buy any more tickets. I'm just gonna go out and join myself. When this becomes a reality, then yeah. I think tickets yeah. will start selling again.
2: Yeah, great.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. There, there, there's definitely customer on the fatigue. Like some of the things that we put out originally Sold out in, I mean, literally minutes. You know, and um, a lot of the things were put on sale to the end of the year. I've kind of gone, gone too. And I don't know if you know, but I own half a Shindig in Newcastle as well. And we put um, a Marco Crawler gig up, and it sold out in eight minutes, less than eight minutes. You know, so the the excitement is there. But um, again, I think the appetite for the rave is gonna is enormous. It's the biggest it's 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 ever been because you know it's it's a global conversation. For, from, from, for everybody now. Um, especially, well, I'm not saying because of, but because of the, the, the first dance really appealed to non-ravers. It's also yeah. kind of, the, the, the conversation is so wide at the moment. You know, like grannies and outer Hebrides talking about raving in Liverpool and stuff. And it's, it's, only, it's only a good thing that's gonna have a positive impact on us all over time.
1: There, there's a, there was a comment in the chat. Um, someone called James Kent was, was provocatively asking, why the event, and they were contrasting with the virtual, i.e., is six hours in a club really better than perhaps the spectacle that you could create and produce from a virtual event? Someone replied simply, you go to the base. But is, it, is, it, is that something, we are all already talking there about accessibility, about the potential of hybrid, about buying a ticket for a, an event that's ostensibly in London if you're in Australia, But is it impossible to get close to that feeling of the goosebumps and sweat and, frankly, feeling that bass going through your system? Is that yes. still what
0: Get a it's really much, good speaker. More than, more than that. It's much, much more than that. <laughs> the, 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 whole, the whole point of, for me, I'm almost kind of addicted to the, to the, the acid house ethos of going to a party, meeting, meeting strangers, having a good time, making connections, building up a, a kind of wider Community of, of friends. There's no reason why you can't do that in in the virtual world as well. In some ways, but I don't I don't think it's it's replaceable. I, but mm. I do agree that it, it can run in parallel in some ways at some point.
1: I think it was Look. you, Seth, or it might, it might have been you, or I'm sure it was yourself. But there was a conversation a few months back when we were all desperately rallying and perhaps fighting and mobilizing in the way that Maria so well articulated earlier what was going on certainly in the UK and people were pointing out this isn't just some venue there's some vacuous venue some music playing this is the place you meet your future husband or your wife or that you married your best mate or this is a place where memories are created it's very human right and I guess that's where it becomes difficult to ever replace or
0: absolutely I mean you know another thing what I've been saying to these MPs I've been speaking to over past nine months of like look acid house and the rave culture it's almost like 30 years ahead of the curve socially because mm. th- that general ethos of you know it's irrelevant where you're from where you look like your skin color your persuasion any of those things are just mm. not a concern over overall you know and this is all becoming like a standardized conversation now of, of kind of inclusive cl- inclusivity so we've been doing mm. this for 30 years like literally and i'm sure it happened more Prior to other generations, but for us, or for me at least, this, this is where it all stems from.
1: Funny way, it feels like it's never been more needed to have that level of all accessibility, everyone welcome, that feels yeah. you safe, feels natural, um, which comes out of stuff like rape culture and acid house. And yet, we've just gone through just over a year, and things like online trolling and online hate has actually never been at a worse state of affairs and it permeates from music to football to celebrity it feels like it's never been more important that 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 could be back together
2: right it's kind of like the 360 though so it's like obviously with our business model it all starts with the music and we release so much music and people want to experience that live so they've listened to that that music they fall in love with the tunes and the artist on Spotify and they need to go and experience that live and I, I, I don't think there is anything else we'll be able to replace that
1: there's that Honey Dijon quote, uh, dance floors unite people in a way that governments and religions never could. Which yeah, I
0: think is incredibly
2: apt for that.
1: Maria, I, I got slightly sidetracked but I just wanted to carry on a bit. When you were talking about the, the artists and the DJs and the state of play, you were talking very much about uh, a middle part, a middle crew if you like, perhaps not the ones who've made it uh, or the ones who are coming, but the, who have frankly struggled. In your role, because again we've got a lot of young people here who are looking to do jobs like you've got this incredible role at a place like CAA. How,
3: how
1: do you how do you counsel people through that? What are you couching them and what are you saying to them to get them through these pretty tricky times? And 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 how have you managed that in terms of managing people?
3: Well, obviously you need to find funding for them to survive. So obviously looking at where you know additional income if there is any available for them. You know, I mean obviously they have managers as well, but. You know, looking at if there is streaming income or, you know, we can get the help them with the CRF funding or whatever it may be. But ultimately, I'm really excited because most of my acts have been in the studio solely for the last, you know, year and a half. And some of my bigger acts have written their biggest records when they've had time off. And the music that I'm hearing at the moment from most of my clients is massive. So I think. You know, in a way, as an industry, I do keep thinking that maybe we needed a little bit of a break for everybody to get their health back together. I mean, I was knackered. Yeah. I mean, and I do feel like we were in such a rush to keep going that to some degree you could see it reflected in the commerciality of everything that was going on that we'd kind of maybe not got, well, I think generally a little bit less creative than we used to be or having the time and the moment to sort of write better music. Oh, that sounds terrible to so, say. All these acts around me are going, I write great music. But, uh, sorry, to all my clients, no, I didn't mean that. No, but the point is, <laughs> like, I actually think I'm just digging a really big hole. There, so um,
2: but, um, it's, get, it's getting bigger. We
3: can, we can cut this later, right? I understand yeah. what you're saying.
0: The, the, yeah, no, the, the so if you've DJ's got the time
3: forced. and you're rested and you're not pushing yourself by with lack of sleep or you know, drinking and alcohol and all the stuff that goes with it and just pushing yourself to just get to that next show and doing this and moving on and running this party. You know, you're like you're making music from the heart, really, and again, and you're thinking about the music differently, potentially, like making it because you love it rather than because you think it might be a hit. And Absolutely. And the point is, when you make stuff that you love, if it's a hit as well, it's a double whammy bonus, isn't it? That it's an amazing, heartfelt, soulful record that connects with people lyrically. I'm a lyric girl. Sod the bass line. But I love the lyrics. But, you know, like, you've got time to write records where the lyrics actually connect with people as well, you know. And I think I'm starting to see now some really great music. I don't know about you guys, I'm starting to hear some really great music. I'm really excited That's about what's come yes. musically. Two yeah.
1: comments from Caper officials saying, Maria May is saying everything I'm thinking. Mr. James Kent says, Maria for Prime Minister. Lex make- <laughs> Either Maria has planted an awful lot of people in this chat or you're engaging them.
0: With-
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> You said was <laughs> there was also a lovely comment about the brilliance of the music the circus has been putting out through the time. But as a man who actually produces and makes, do you agree? Is is that on the money?
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I can agree more. When, when we I always make music from the gut anyway, but more so more so this year, you know, rather than kind of getting lost in, okay, he's just gonna be a banger, he's just gonna connect, just slow down and make music that's really important to, to you. And then the way I see things is, you know, when all is dust, it's going to be you and your music, and you need to be able to look it in the eye and be proud of it, you know? So that that's something that I like to do anyway, but this year more more than ever, I think I've made probably the best music I've, of my career in the last and 12 that- months. A lot of it not released yet, but it's coming. And it's, you know, and it's significant to, even from my point of view. So it feels, it, it feels, positive for the future for me. And I think, you know, a lot of, um, a lot of people have had the same time to, like you say, connect with more, uh, with sleep. the label. Get some sleep. <laughs> yeah, but with, with, with my artists <laughs> that are on the circus label, I've, I've tried to kind of slow them down and say, look guys, you know, get a better mix down. Don't be afraid to work with musicians. here in a list of singer songwriters. Push, push the, um, your own kind of boundaries. I don't want another kind of tech house functional track that I'm going to forget about in 10 minutes. I, I always say to them, send me a record. I'm going to remember in 20 years or, or, or don't. Well, that, you, that's kind of the idea.
1: You started off, and uh, unbelievably, guys, we're nearly out of time. It feels like that was about 15, but we've got about 10 minutes left, so I'm going to go to some more questions in a minute. But you started off nearly an hour and a half ago, Yusef, and you said something about you know a record that was effectively 10 years in the record box, and you found the moment. Tell us more with what you've just said in mind of, what's next in terms of do you think it's going to alter musically what gets played i wasn't lucky enough to be at your amazing event the other week but was it more nostalgic was it more melodic or was it basically as it would always have been other than the records that you were playing perhaps
0: it 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 felt more emotional everyone was playing records that were more connective like you say maybe more songs maybe more strings maybe more power um it's, it did surprisingly need as a DJ, actually need more moments because the energy in the room, people wanted to kind of release. Um, but for me, I, I made sure that everything I, I play gave me the shivers in terms of, <laughs> and it was had high energy, and everything kind of had a had had a point to it. And I, I see music in colours. You see, I've got like Stenesthesia. so ev- everything was kind of red and pink and purple, and that's the way I, I viewed the that set that I played that night. I, I, love, I love the fact that you're
1: thinking through colours. A good question from James Kent says, have you had to explore, or are you exploring new genres because of the lack of club that's been happening until now? Has that effectively forced your hand?
0: Yeah, well, purposefully, you know, I see what was coming quite quickly, and I said to my artists, look, we need, we need kind of more song-based things, more kind of Spotify-length edits, less club tools, and importantly a different style of mix down more kind of dynamic range the vocals maybe half a db louder uh, slightly more space in in the music but still what you do but why don't you try to kind of aim at spotify as well because there's no clubs build up your your catalog maybe your numbers and then let's see what happens after it and uh, I kind of I've kept that viewpoint all the way through this, and I'm gonna I'm gonna stick to it. So, like I say, every every record gets a really pro mix down, gets a proper push, It gets given an opportunity. Whether you're you're I don't know Carl Cox or Green Velvet or someone I've just found on Spotify or sorry on SoundCloud, which is which is the way it goes for me. But, um, but George, yeah. I know,
1: Baron, with what Yousef's just said, and I know ultimately tickets need to be sold, venues need to be full. But is there an opportunity for people like yourself there to be booking newer talent fresher talent younger talent perhaps to be more creative with lineups marrying uh, to uh, venues what, what's the uh, outlook
2: 100 percent. i think i think some some people have really shone and i can't mention who but we've just signed some new really exciting talent to the agency who maybe before we wouldn't have even considered but we can just see how quickly and how Good people are with their production, with their social media, how quickly they can grow, and I feel like we, uh, the industry, I think, have taken a little bit of a different approach and really helping uh, the not lower, well, the lower level talent to really shine um, at the rate that they deserve, and that's that's what uh, we've definitely been doing during lockdown as well, trying to find some new talent. Which a lot of exciting stuffs coming soon. Uh,
1: we've got eight minutes left before this. Brilliant chat segues into a, uh, a live Sondela radio show, which is going to be very different, with Seth Combo, the, the My Ugly Face, chatting away. Um, with that in mind, and there's there's been, again, loads more reaction to what you've just been saying. Uh, there's been a lot of love from Naughty News on Jess Bays. Uh, there's been a lot of agreement, George, with what you were just saying. I'm going to go around yeah. all of you now and just talk a little bit over the next few minutes about how you see things now, hopefully with a more positive hat on, or perhaps, you know, realistically uh, enthused at least. Mark, um, we've quite literally got events in the calendar. Is everything looking a bit brighter and how are you going to see the rest of twenty one now panning out for you guys at Broadway?
4: Um, Yeah, we've got so many events coming up. Our first show is actually the Defected London show with yourselves um, at the end of July. So Fingers crossed for that one. Um, that'll be the first thing that we'll kick off. I believe it's sort of your first show as well. So I think yeah. that that's the one that we're that, the most excited for, but also the most nervous for, because obviously it's, it's only nine weeks away and we've still not got the proper guidance. But when it happens, if it happens, it'll be amazing because it'll be the first chance of everyone being back out in the field again everyone's seen everyone that they've not seen properly for the past 15 16 months um, and once that first show happens i, I can just I, i'm i can feel the excitement building up and myself just discussing it really uh, we, we've got shows pretty much every weekend from that weekend until new year's day and actually coincidentally new year's day is with you guys as well um, this is a coincidence.
1: It looks massively staged. That is a coincidence. It <laughs> is. Yeah. We we've got nothing to worry about because Youssef's given us all the answers, right? He's told us how to do it. So, you know, it can't be that hard. George, yeah. <laughs> what you just said, are you sharing that level of optimism? I know we've also got some concerns, if you like, almost the domino effect of the of where we're at and and the the walking through glue kind of I think uh, metaphor yeah. the
2: I think I think it's one of those things where you've just got to take that risk, go against the grain a little bit as I feel we always have done as a business and we just need to remain hopeful and adapt as and when we need to uh, as and when we know. Um, it's it I'm super excited. Um, I'm coming I'm going down to the drum sheds on Tuesday for a site visit. It feels like we're getting we're slowly, slowly getting there. Well I, if it happens, I fingers crossed, none of us actually know. But, uh, yeah, we are remaining hopeful that it is. Uh,
1: Maria, tell us, because you're involved in so much, which is so, I think, uh, in a lovely, structured way, trying to progress and get us, frankly, all out of this. What's literally next for you in that sense? Um, and well, and then tell us about how this year perhaps could end up in a more hopeful way.
3: Well, i'm really looking forward to the moment where the government starts viewing this as an endemic rather than a pandemic and i think we've got to hope that the from 17th of may the next step rolls out smoothly and the vaccine rollout continues whether you agree or not agree that is basically the only way that we're going to get shows up and running as they keep pushing the vaccines and the vaccines are actually well and the the government's ability to manage the variants that we're hearing about in the next few days and we're just going to have to see what happened. We've still got some challenges ahead of us with the government to get some insurance for cancellation. That may stop a few events, ha- larger events happening in July. Um, the CRF funding, there are some issues with that at the moment, with um, just complex app, people still not being paid from their CRF funding. Um, I am really hopeful that we will see shows in the UK at the end of August and in September, and I'm really, really looking forward to them. I just want I just want to be able to book a summer and know it's <laughs> happening yeah. and um i think i feel confident that next summer is going to be amazing yeah and i'm really looking forward to it and i'm looking forward to all the new music that's coming and the emergence of young talent you know we've been talking about you know supporting younger artists one of the things that we lacked <clears> in our being pre-pandemic was we had too many headliners and not enough mid and lower tier acts that were of value to the audiences. And I think, you know, we talk about future-proofing, that's future-proof with talent right across the board. I think know? so many
1: people will love the fact that, you know, you, Maria May, and all your experience in the CAA are saying that. that. I think that would mean an awful lot to an awful lot of people. Yousef, we start this conversation with you. I am going to go to a couple of audience questions in a sec for everyone. But my final point, or rather my final question to you on that last say, you've just experienced the most ludicrous level of positivity Absolutely, you like uh, warranted by the way every last bit of it. And as we talked about, have been so global in the press that uh, came out that they got to like seven billion people. What on earth comes next, Yusuf?
0: Well, I, I am just trying to be as patient as you guys to see what the story is. I mean, the the, the roundup or the debrief of what happened was happening is the conversation is happening simultaneously to this. I should have been on that, but we're on this. So Rich is going to tell me what the story is in terms of the data that came from, from those events, which is going to feed straight into central government to be able to kind of give us a clearer picture on June the 21st. I am, like I say, hopeful that June the 21st comes without any sort of resistance and we can just get back get back to business. And maybe that is very rose tinted specs. Maybe I'm still high from, from the excitement of the, of the previous few weeks, but, I do feel, like Maria said, that the, the vaccine rollout, as much as I'm no supporter of this government whatsoever, and you know, certainly no supporter of Brexit, but the one thing that they seem to have organised well is is, is this um, vaccine rollout, and I think that's going to have a necessary effect, positively, to be able to kind of get us back, not just electronic music events, but all kind of social events back to some normality um, soon.
1: I think it's, a, it's very well said. Um... You know, a couple more comments that I just wanted to read out. They're going so fast up the screen, I'm having to write them down. That's why I'm scribbling. Uh, uh, There's a lovely comment about what a positive chat it is. Um, there was another a Maria fan which simply says, whoever works for or works with Maria May is incredibly lucky. Uh, which, again, it's like we've got the Maria May fan club in today. Which I really like.
3: uh, Be careful but, what you wish for. <laughs> yeah,
1: I assume this is just an elaborate recruitment drive, Maria. Uh, <laughs> which, which is super impressive, and this might—I've got a few questions, but we, we've got like only a minute, so this might be uh, the last. Is that um, uh, one last question? Then you, so I'm going to give you you mate um, any feedback from the government on the Liverpool event? We've told all the feedback from all of us; everyone's glowing. What's the actual government feedback? has on that.
0: Um, like you say, the, the the conversation is is happening right now. That I was meant to be on that call, the four thirty call, so I will be able to give you that feedback. As soon as they got off this call, okay. as far as I understand, uh, leading into the event, out of the six thousand five hundred people that we, well, not we, the government tested locally, um, there was only one or two that were positive coming in, which which meant their ticket was voided. So take from that what you will, and hopefully, you know, this is going to be, um, well, it was uh, an essential step to June twenty first.
3: I mean, Melvin, I was just on a call with Melvin and before this, Melvin Ben from Federal Republic, he he said on the panel that he was absolutely confident that events end of August, large festivals would be taking place in the UK. So on that note.
1: That's a good note, isn't it? Well, well, it's almost before. George didn't walk out. His laptop died. (laughs) You all know you're live on Twitch and someone literally disappears. Mark Newton, uh, Youssef, Maria May and your massive new fan club, thank you so much <laughs> all of you for giving up government conversations to join our little conversation. It's been really, really valuable, super positive. Uh, we're going to be putting it back up on other platforms too in a couple of days' time so people can watch again. I know there's a lot to learn from. Thank you so much for your time. If you've been watching in the audience, thank you very much for your comments and your engagement and your love for Maria May. Now we are going to segue almost endlessly in a Twitch like live way over to Seth Combo, uh, who's going to be playing a live uh, Sondela radio show. Everyone, thank you very
0: much indeed.